This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is MPB's Season Pass on Think Radio with Liz Gill. I'm Jay White. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast, whatever podcast app you use. If you search for MPB's Season Pass, you'll find us. And there you can click subscribe, uh, and our show will be available to you at your convenience. You can also do it through our website. We have audio on demand of our uh, each of our episodes there as well. On today's show, we'll speak with Alan Blackwell. He's a Jackson native, but he trained at the Olympic Training Center in Park City, Utah, for the Winter Olympic Sports Skeleton. That's happening next month at the Winter Olympics. And uh, when you see that happen at the Olympics and um, – and then have a point of reference to a a native Mississippian, um, very nearly qualifying uh, as an athlete for the Winter Olympics. Uh, pretty amazing. Uh, and then uh, later on in the show, we'll also learn about the Memphis Hustle, who play professional basketball. They're part of the NBA's G League, the Gatorade League. It's their uh, their uh, main developmental uh, league. It's kind of like their AAA league in um, Mississippi has uh, the Memphis Hustle. They play at the Lander Center in South Haven and uh, another team that's they're, they're connected to the Memphis Grizzlies. The New Orleans Pelicans are getting a team They're They are putting together a team in that league and it um, almost had the opportunity to land in Jackson. Uh, but I think it's going to either like Shreveport or Pensacola ultimately. Uh, but Jackson was one of the two or three finalists for uh, that, but didn't go down. Probably need a better building than the Mississippi Coliseum. All right. Regardless, we'll start the show with Bo Campbell from the Professional Cowboy Association. Good morning, Bo. What's going on? Thanks for your time this morning. Uh, good morning to you. We're uh, headed to the office. Trying to get some work done. There you go. The the Professional Cowboy Association, or the PCA, having their finals at the Mississippi Coast Coliseum next week, the 12th through the 14th. Tell us a little bit about the Professional Cowboy Association. Well, we uh, we started back in 1994 with our largest rodeo association, East Mississippi. Sanctioned more rodeos, pay out more money, and got more members than any other association, East Mississippi River. Nice. Now, uh, what are some of the competition events that spectators get to see when they come to your events live? Well, we'll have, of course, all the the uh, major events, bareback riding, saddleback riding, calf roping, steer wrestling, barrel racing, team roping, bull riding. I think, you know, um, being a, a professional cowboy, it, it's um, it's something that's that's made into this, this legendary struggle in movies and songs and things like that, what's what's the life of a cowboy really like? Who is who is uh, who follows the tour and is professional? Well, ours, ours is a working man association. You know, it's, uh, we're we're based in the southeast, and uh, we're the largest rodeo association in the southeast. And, uh, our, our our association is set up for a man that's you know the rodeo on the weekend, and we do have a few guys at rodeo full-time uh 
but uh, it, it's set up for folks to uh, that's got a job and can't you know can't go out west and spend the summers and do this that and other. So it's sure. it's a home base more association. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, how does a cowboy or a cowgirl get into the finals? Well, they got to go to they got to go and win the most money. They got to have we take the top fifteen in each event, and that's top fifteen is determined by uh, money they win. Uh, they got to win the most money in their event. We take the top fifteen, and they have to go to fifteen rodeos to qualify. Okay, pretty good. All right, so. Um... I understand you have a uh, hundred or so or more rodeos in a ten-month season. Allow for accumulation of those points you were talking about. Yeah, we have a we have a number of rodeos all over the southeast from Louisiana to Tennessee to Carolinas, Florida. You know the whole, whole southeast. Uh, uh, and we they got plenty of chances to go to fifteen. You know we have. <laughs> A hundred rodeos. All they got to do is get to fifteen of them, but they got to also make enough money. So yeah. Um, nowadays it's hard to go to just fifteen and qualify. You you about got to go to a bunch of them because of the money that is paying. Bo Campbell's who we're speaking with from the Professional Cowboy Association. They're having the the PCA finals at the Mississippi Coast Coliseum, January twelfth through the fourteenth. Bo, how did you get involved with uh, the Professional Cowboy Association? Well, me and a couple of friends of mine founded it back in 1994. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, and we've been going ever since. We uh, we had, uh, you know, we were in another association and decided we wanted to do something else. So we found this professional cowboy association and it really took off and it really, really been a good deal. I get you. Okay. So uh, one of the things I know um, uh, Liz was telling me about, you guys have high school competitions as well, or you have uh, you have a division uh, for high school, right? That's also a thing you have? Right. We have a, we do something no other, no other association does. We take the number one high school contestant in each event. Now, they're competing against everybody, but all they got to do is win the most money their in in their high school event and we take them to our finals too to compete for that top prize money wow. or we take 16 we take the top 15 cowboys then we take the number one high school kid in each event yeah that's pretty remarkable and so um i understand you got uh you you got some stories about you know fathers competing against sons in some of these events right yeah we got from up at west point mississippi we got the white the white family coming sam White's a daddy and Taylor Palmer is his two sons. And uh, Sam's in his 50s now, but he's still a tremendous steer wrestler. They can be competing in the steer wrestling event. Sam and then and, and both of his boys, the first time I know that we've had, uh, they've all three, they've, they've all made it at different times, but this is the first time they've all made it at the same time. and So they'll be competing against one another uh, next week down at the finals. Man, steer wrestling as a fifty-year-old of all the events. That's uh, I figured that's one that a fifty-year-old might want to move on from at some point. That's pretty oh, impressive. Yeah. Sam thinks he's twenty-five sometimes. That's great. <laughs> that's great. All right, um, are there different events uh, each night, uh, or or a few competitors in each event each night? How, how does the schedule kind of lay out? No, the, the the 
the uh, all the competitors compete over four performances, and at the end of the four performances on Sunday, we'll crown the champions. But they, it's the same guys competing all week, uh, in four different in four rounds, and then uh, we'll take the top. Well, the, the top money winner will be our. We'll crown our champions on Sunday. Where all do you guys? Uh, where all do you uh, uh, cowboys and cowgirls uh, tour? I know you're having your championships at the Mississippi Coast Coliseum. You said the uh, biggest uh, cowboy association east of the yeah, Mississippi. We, is that right? I mean, we, we're from. We go to. We're from Louisiana up in Tennessee, Kentucky, and the Carolinas. Like I say, in uh, about eight different states is our main deal. All right, so southeast, yeah, and uh, head, we're headquartered here in Robertsdale, Alabama. Mm-hmm. That's where our headquarters is. And uh, but you know, we rodeo all over the south. As a matter of fact, the week after the finals, we'll be in Tampa, Florida, doing a big rodeo. The very week after the finals, we start right back up in Tampa, Florida. If there's somebody who uh, you know, maybe maybe did some of this because I know I mean, high school rodeo is a is a thing in Mississippi. It's a competitive thing. Yeah. Um, if if somebody has, was has the largest has the best little breeches rodeo association in the nation. Yeah, if so, now, if, they're strong. They're, Mississippi's strong, strong with the little breeches rodeo. Yes, sir. If somebody wanted to, if they were thinking about maybe taking a shot at doing this. You know, a little bit more than than just uh, I guess as an amateur. How how do they go about getting started? Well, they got to, you know find them association and get in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, if they have all, if they're amateur rodeo and you know it's uh you know it, they're the web the websites are full of them. Uh, you know ours is uh, they can go on a website and see how to, how to become a member of the PCA and. Uh, uh, join and where the rodeos are. Everything's posted on our website. The upcoming rodeos, the results from the other rodeos. You know, uh, the whole nine yards. It 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 isn't hard. It isn't hard to find a way to get to, to, right. get to go to a rodeo. And Mr. Campbell, are you still competing in any any events? No, sir. I'm I'm a little over that. Uh, <laughs> I competed a long time in in several events, but uh, mostly steer wrestling, team roping, and cab roping. I got you. Uh, uh, well, Father Time stick up with me. I, <laughs> I I figured I can I can make more money at my age putting them on. I could try to compete in them. I understand. I understand. Well, hopefully for uh, for the the uh, the the national finals you guys are having. You will have better weather than we've had in Mississippi the last couple of days. Hopefully, it'll be the the wind chill will be above single digits. You can't go much further south than you, than you can go to Biloxi, Mississippi. I hope the weather works out for you, though. You're going to be at the the Coast Coliseum, but uh, I know, hope it's a little bit year, warmer. Last year we had our finals there, and they was having tornadoes. If you remember, all over Hattiesburg and yeah. around, uh, couldn't couldn't have been no worse. We were on the radio. Running advertising for people to come to the rodeo, and then the radio, the news was saying stay at home, stay out of the weather. So yeah. it was kind of a bad year for us last year on kind of the weather. So well, then the bad, the the cold yeah. weather ain't no problem. Then they'll just pretend like maybe they're in Wyoming or something yeah, like that. We can live with the cold, the tornadoes that hit Hattiesburg, everything last year and around. It was it it didn't make people stay home. Absolutely. 
Well, Bo, uh, all the best to you. Thank you so much for talking to us this morning, and uh, hope the, the, the weather just stays cold and is not dangerous, and we wish you all the best and a big crowd maybe to make up for last year a little bit um, coming up here uh, next weekend. Appreciate you very much. All right. Uh, that's uh, Bo Campbell, Professional Cowboy Association, PCA Finals, Mississippi Coast Coliseum, January 12th through the 14th. Sounds like a pretty good time right there. And uh, at least in theory, a good place to have it. Hopefully it warm up a little bit between now and then. All right, we'll take our uh, first break of the show here. And uh, when we come back from the break, uh, we'll speak with Alan Blackwell, a Jackson native, a Mississippian, who slides skeleton for Team USA. And then from the official minor leagues of the NBA, the Memphis Hustle, John Walker. We'll speak with him a little bit later on. You're listening to MPB Season Pass on Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is MPB Season Pass on Think Radio with producer Liz Gill. I'm Jay White. Thanks so much for listening this Thursday morning. Love to welcome to the show our next guest, Alan Blackwell, Jackson native and uh, matured sports phenom, calling in from San Moritz, Switzerland. I think I'm saying that right. Uh, Thanks for being on the show with us this morning, Alan. How's it going? Oh, man. Awesome. Thank you all for inviting me. I mean, I'm laying in a small little twin bed looking out at the Swiss Alps right now, so I'd say life's pretty good. Yeah, it doesn't sound too bad at all. Uh, so you have an intriguing and awesome sports story. It is uh, it is inspiring, I would say, to, to anyone who reads it and has any kind of hope for, for or aspirations for what they're doing with regard to sports. So um, uh, we've told folks that skeleton is your sport. Tell us a little bit about how you got involved what is it what when did the bug bite you how did you get involved when did you say okay this is what i want to do this is what i want to go after well i was actually born in the middle of an ice storm i was born february 6 1988 and it was a huge ice storm and 88 in february was also when the jamaican bobsled team debuted in calgary so i kind of feel like there was all these winter things piling up to make me, I was like, yeah, I guess I'm supposed to be a winter sports athlete. And then I always, always wanted to do bobsled. I thought it was the coolest sport. I was like, man, it's like these people, like it's race car driving, but on winter, on ice. And I've never even liked the cold, but <laughs> it just looked really cool to me. So, and that is kind of a pun. So. <laughs> kind of a, but maybe not intentional, but you'll take it. Yeah, um, exactly. All right, so you decided that skeleton is what you wanted to do, and I'm sure that being from Mississippi, everybody was just immediately, they took you seriously and was ready to uh, escort you around to do whatever you needed to do to be on the skeleton team at the Olympics, right? 
Oh, I mean, obviously. Cause, I mean, I swear they weren't like, oh, you're a 14-year-old kid from Mississippi? No, you don't have a shot. Like, what are you even doing talking to us? Because that totally never happens. Right. But, yeah, so actually, yeah, I saw that they were bringing uh, Skeleton back to the Olympics in 2002 because uh, Skeleton was actually in the 1928 and 1948 Olympics and when they were held where I am in St. Moritz, Switzerland. This is actually the first track, and it's actually a natural track. It's, most other tracks are actually built out of concrete. But this one, they actually sculpt it out of ice, the wow. whole thing out of ice, every single year by hand. Yeah, so they were bringing skeletons in the games. I was like, what is this? Started looking it up, and I was like, oh, this is what I need to do. Like, it's bobsled, but for people that aren't football linebackers. <laughs> so, I mean, that was always quick. But I went, well, I went to Jackson Prep and I ran track there and I was always quick, but then I played football. But the problem was I was good at football until everybody else started having these growth spurts and I was always kind of the smaller kid. And I started taking these hits that took me a little longer. I was like, oh, I need to go sit down after that. Like, Maybe football is not for you. So. so it was part of your yeah. athleticism that I think intrigued the coaches. You went to, you were invited to a combine, right? I, I emailed the coaches, and there's two basic training camps. Uh, there's two tracks in the U.S., one in Lake Placid, New York, and one in Park City, Utah. And I first emailed the people in Lake Placid, like, hey, I want to do this. And they're the ones that were like, you're a 14-year-old kid from Mississippi. No, like, you're not going to stick around. Like, yeah, not going to happen. But then the coach in Park City was like, you're a 14-year-old kid from Mississippi. That's exactly why we want you, like, because you obviously want to do the sport. I was like, oh, yeah, see, it's just two that? different ways people thought about it. Yeah, I went out to Park City to take a combine, and what the combine is, it's a uh, just like an NFL combine. We'd run a 15-meter, 30-meter, and 45-meter, and then we do a broad jump. And they test all that, and I was 14 years old, and I was running faster and jumping higher than people in their 20s. And they're like, all right, you got some natural athletic ability. but And then they even confirmed, like, you're too small for bobsled, but – skeleton is like you've got the perfect size for skeleton so like we want you to come try it on ice and i was like yes i absolutely want to and my parents were like i don't know i'm not really sure about that it got to the point where i was getting a skateboard and going headfirst down the hill in front of my house and my parents were like all right if we let you go try this sport you're never allowed to go down the skateboard going 30 miles an hour down the street where you can get hit by a car. I was like, all right, deal. My uh, first time on flood was actually November 1st, 2002 in Park City, Utah. And it was, I can still remember it like it was yesterday, the feeling of you literally, you get to the track there's in Park City and there's 15 turns on the track and for your first run, which anybody can do. My parents have actually done this, which but according to them, they're glad they did it once, but they never want to do it again. So. <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to ask you, it's uh, that first time down, um, aside from just the thrill of it, uh, how far you had come, and, and I guess a, a pretty relatively short amount of time, what was it like when you were finally, you know, it's it's one thing to train and and have, I guess, some intangibles that they see and uh, they see a future in you, but it's another thing to actually be on the track and doing it, and, uh, you know, that has to start moving pretty quickly for you. Oh, yeah, and so it's, it was for the school, what they do is they send you from halfway down the track, and you just lay there. They're like, don't do anything. Like, And honestly, that's really how 
like the best skeleton athlete. The, it's a finesse sport. So the less you do to get the perfect line, the faster you go. So these first things, when they're like, just lay like a stack of potatoes, and then they lay you on your sled, and then they just kick you off. And so you're just like putzing down the track through turn six, and then you go through seven, eight, nine, you start to pick up a little speed, and then turn 11 is the first big turn you get to. And I remember coming out of turn 10 and looking and thinking, that looks like a giant wall of ice. I don't know how this is going to work. And then all the G-forces hit you, and you're like, oh, my God. And then 12 and 13 and 14, and then you finally finish at 15. And my coaches now, they said they can still remember how big my smile was <laughs> the first time I got off the sled. And I was like, I have to go do that again. Like, that was the best thing I've ever done in my entire life. Wow. And I've actually never even been on a roller coaster, so I can't even compare it to that. Oh, well, like, it would probably, it'd probably be disappointing at this point. Oh, yeah. I, I, honestly, well, I don't like negative Gs. Negative Gs scare me. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't like either. You need a little heat all right, so in, in 2014, 26 years old, you made the national team, placed fourth at the Olympic trials, and was an alternate for the Olympic team. Uh, tell us a little bit about that whole experience. So, so how Skeleton works is we have U.S. selection races, and what we do is it's two races in Lake Placid and two races in Park City, and the top 15 athletes in the U.S. are invited to those. And after each race, you get points based on how you finish. So first place gets 200, then 180, then 160, and it goes down minusing 20 points. So you have to be in the top 10 to even get points. And then I finished fourth overall in those. Actually, I finished fifth in those. And we have different circuits. We have the World Cup circuit, which is the top three athletes. That's the one that's on TV, and those are usually the people that go to the Olympics. And then the next circuit is the next three athletes, and it's called Intercontinental Cup, where it's uh, races in North America and races in Europe. And then the next two athletes do Europa Cup, which is just races in Europe. And then the next four athletes do North America's Cup, which is just races in Canada and North America. So I made Intercontinental Cup that year, which is on the national team. And I was racing, and after one race, I ended up, Jumping, jumping the person in fourth place, and I was in fourth place in the U.S. And I just kept getting results and results. I kept climbing in points, and then it finally they have a how it works is we have eight races a season, eight international races a season, and every race you do, you get points based on how you finish. Like a win on World Cup is 500 points. And then it went on Intercontinental Cup is like 400 points. So, and then it went on Europa Cup is 300 and then 200. So it's all based on uh, point system and everybody in the world gets ranked on one ranking list. And then, so what we do for the Olympics is the first three nations with three athletes get to send three people. The U S is usually one of those because we're one of the better nations. And if you went down the list, I was fourth. So it's like, Oh, just one spot away. Yeah. first Mississippi and the Winter Olympics. I was like, oh, man. And that stung. I'm not going to lie. But it was also amazing all at the same time because uh, as far as I know, I was the only Mississippi winter sports athlete. And I was like, I've made the national team. I've done all this. Like, I'm perfectly happy, but I need to go another four years. Like, I'm not going to end like that. Right. So what is what is the future for you in the sport now? I understand you're coaching now as well. Uh, yep. Yeah, so I'm actually – 
I had a bad U.S. selection races this year, and being the competitive athlete that I am, I didn't finish where I wanted, and I was like, you know what? Uh, it'll be it's impossible for me to make the Olympics with how I finished on one of the lower circuits. So I was like, I'm going to step back. I'm going to let one of the other development athletes like take my spot, and because it's I mean it's what you have to do. I knew that this would probably be my last quad, and so after I retired or retired, you can't see my air quotes. <laughs> uh, I got a call from uh, one of my Swedish athletes, one of the friends that's on the Swedish team. He's like, hey, you're retired. Like, do you want to come be my coach? Well, he's like, I'm going to Whistler. And I was like, yep, yep, you know, all right. Sounds good. And so flew me out to Whistler, Canada for the first race of the season. And while I was out there, I started coaching him. And then I picked up uh, Ireland, Jamaica, Luxembourg, Taiwan, uh, Italy, and Israel are now part of my group of athletes that I coach. Wow. Well, that's that's so, that's pretty that, amazing. Um, so I, I guess that that takes care of at least your immediate future and lets you figure out what you want to do with the with the sport and and whatever else until then, right? Yeah, exactly. And so I mean that that gets me through this transitional year and lets me decide if I want to continue the sport or if I want to pursue my film career. But I've actually uh, been talking to the French Federation, and they've actually approach me about trying to slide for France and compete for them because I speak some French and my great grandmother's from France and they're like they don't have a big program they're like we want you to come and we like you have results we know that you can get results for us we'll get you a passport we'll get you everything and like we want you to help build our program so that's one of my options that I'm weighing right now which I mean not gonna lie it sounds pretty good absolutely well man uh, it, do you get a chance to come back to Mississippi uh, often or at all? <laughs> uh, not, not as often as I would like, but it's it's not all that bad. I I had to spend Christmas alone this year, but I was in Marseille on the French Riviera, so it really wasn't too bad. No, it doesn't sound bad at all. Besides, yeah, right exactly. now it would be a bad time to be here because it would basically be like where you were coming from with the weather like it is. So maybe yeah. maybe the summer. <laughs> Exactly. But I will say one thing about being from Mississippi is we meet all these international people. And then when we're with the U.S. team, they're like, Alan, how come you sound different than the rest of them? I'm like, because I'm from a better part of America. Oh, that's great. That's awesome. Depending on, on how long you've been away from the South depends on how heavy or light your drawl is. Oh, most definitely. And I actually, I have to change my accent sometimes <laughs> because there are legitimately times that people can't understand me. And I'm like, oh, wait. When I get really tired, they're like, oh, your accent's coming out. I'm like, oh, all right. <laughs> but my favorite thing to do with the internationals is actually pull up a map of the United States. I'm like, where is Mississippi? Yeah. And so far, I think one athlete from Latvia has guessed right. Wow. How about that? That's pretty yeah, incredible. Nobody else has. Well, Alan, so, man, I'd like, like to think I'm putting Mississippi on the map. I, there's no doubt about that, uh, specifically for this sport. And if you're helping uh, the French build their team, uh, that's a pretty uh, incredible thing. Alan, man, thank you so much for your time this morning and all the continued success to you. And uh, hopefully uh, this will keep going along and we'll have you on again. And you'll be able to tell us uh, how your career is, is continuing and, and what you're doing now. Oh, yeah. Y'all feel free to hit me up anytime. All right, Alan Blackwell um, from Switzerland. 
Thank you so much again. Uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. All right. Alan Blackwell, awesome story right there. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Memphis Hustle, Memphis Grizzlies NBA G League team that plays its home games in Mississippi in South Haven up in DeSoto County. We'll speak with John Walker after this timeout. You're listening to MPB Season Pass on Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is MPB's Season Pass on Think Radio with Liz Gill. I'm Jay White. We're still digging for our contact with Memphis Hustle. That's uh, John Walker, who we are uh, hoping to get a chance to speak with. Sometimes when you book interviews live, this is how it works out. Evidently, they got some big thing happening or something like a team meeting or a practice or something. Who they knows? have shooting practice every day from 10 to 11, and that's why we weren't able to get the coach but uh, I think we're we're looking for our uh, uh, someone else from the front office. But there's a lot of good information about the hustle on their website. Um, I've just was just tickled to see, um, you know, sometimes um, uh, the the minor leagues those are exciting to watch. They are, and uh, some well, but sometimes I guess with certain minor leagues. It um, it doesn't have a professional feel about it, but the G League certainly does. It's propped up by the NBA. Um, it's the official developmental league of the NBA, and so uh, it's it's what used to be the NBA developmental league. They have a, a title sponsorship with Gatorade now, so it's the NBA G League, uh, and they have some games coming up. The sixth, they're taking on uh, Rio Grande Valley. Um, and then, let's see, January 11th, they're taking on uh, Lakeland, Florida. They play Maine also. It's interesting where some of these uh, where some of these teams are tonight. January 27th, they play the Fort Wayne Mad Ants. And I think Look this, out this is interesting. I hadn't thought about this before, but with a, a developmental league or this Gatorade league, it's not only preparing the players, but it's... Uh, helping the coaches, the officials, the the trainers, yeah. uh, all of those get into and learn the ways of professional basketball. Well, what's cool about that team specifically, and not all of them are set up like this, but with Memphis, um, the the hustle is the the G League team for the Grizzlies. If you think about it, the Grizzlies are in downtown Memphis. The hustle are in South Haven, which is just down the road. 
And so they're basically in the same metropolitan area uh, and kind of almost on the same side of town, really. Um, and so if, if the people in the front office, if, if they have an injury and they need to call somebody up, sign up to a 10-day contract, you know, they could literally just hop on the interstate and go south and take a look at the entire roster. They can practice the entire roster. Uh, they can call the people, uh, the coaches and the scouts from the minor league team, uh, and they can do lunch and talk about who they should call up and what's the best situation for any of those guys. Or they can, you know, they can practice them all at the same place uh, at the same time if they wanted to, uh, and it's it's really, really convenient. That's why when uh, I referenced the Pelicans, the New Orleans Pelicans in the NBA, who are in the process of developing their own G League team, I mentioned earlier that was almost a thing that uh, that happened in Jackson, uh, but instead I think it's going to either Shreveport or Pensacola, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, some of the other finalists were, you know, Jackson and I want to say. Um, there was a, a, a there was a parish around New Orleans, and it it, it escapes me. Um, Saint Bernard, I think, is is the parish that they were going to maybe put the team in. And I thought, well, you know, there's that thing again where you can have your team basically right down the road. And I thought that's what they would go for, but they wound up. It's Shreveport is is cool too, but Shreveport is it's almost closer to you know, it is close. Well, it's closer to Dallas than it is New Orleans. So I don't know. Well, but that's a good way for the. Teams that own their lower, uh, that own their team to to expand their brand. There you go. That's true. And if you, uh, that's a good point too. And if you are trying to expand the Pelicans brand throughout the state of Louisiana, and maybe, you know, convert some, um, I got fringe Dallas Mavericks or Houston Rockets fans or something like that, then that would be a way to do it. Or even Memphis Grizzlies fans because they're not too far away from that. Uh, part of the world as well. Um, coming up a little bit later on, um, we could talk about the <laughs> national championship game that's coming up Monday. Uh, all of the teams are from the same conference. I don't know if you've heard. Uh, some people are very proud of that. Uh, the Mississippi State men's and women's basketball teams are a combined 38-1, and one, if I'm not mistaken, or 36-1, and one, something like that. They've only lost one game between the two of them. Uh, they're both having an incredible season, um, and there's a lot going on. And an interesting story about Southern Mississippi, uh, Southern Miss's baseball schedule uh, that we can get into if we have time as well. All right, we have John Walker on the line with us from the Memphis Hustle, uh, the uh, the brand new NBA G League team that plays its uh, home games in South Haven in Desoto County here in Mississippi. John, uh, good morning. Thank you for your time. Good morning. Sorry I'm late. Oh, that's 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 totally cool. I understand. Um so the the hustle play at the Lander Center there in South Haven and it's got to be it's got to be really cool to to have the G League team and we were just talking about this the G League team and the NBA team uh in the same market for sure but I mean just a little interstate strip away from each other where fans can really dig into not only the the pro team, or I should say the the big league team, but the developmental team at the same time, uh, on the same town. Yeah, it's uh, it's 
it's really great for the area, we believe, and, and uh, you know, it's it's still very early in the, the, the tenure of the hustle, but so far the response has been really good uh, locally and regionally, and, you know, you made a great point about the convenience of, of having that development team, the G League team, so in, in such close proximity to the Grizzlies, um, it really allows us to do some great things from a from a basketball perspective in developing that talent. And they get to practice, you know, at FedEx Forum and the, the Grizzlies coaching staff gets to monitor them and, and we're able to do some some great things in terms of moving the players back and forth. And so you've seen many of our hustle players, you know, Kobe Simmons and Ivan Rabin in, in particular, who've gotten a, a great deal of experience playing with the Grizzlies. And so, you know, having it in close proximity like we do now versus what we'd had in previous years when we had the uh, arrangement with the Iowa Energy as our development league team, we, we, we couldn't be as flexible and as nimble that way. So it's been really good from that perspective. So I, you guys have, uh, you've received a lot of praise for your, for your, your marketing and your look, the logo, the uniforms and things like that. And you guys have won awards. It's, 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 it's a really like awesome old school uh, looks. Tell us about how you went into uh, to finding that. Well, we have a we have a tremendous tremendously talented marketing staff here with the the Grizzlies, and you know we challenged that group with coming up with a mark that was was reminiscent and, and brought into you know into play the Grizzlies look and feel, but but was something unique and and all its own, and you know the hustle name was was something that's very synonymous with the area um you know that it kind of plays into our grit and grind yeah. ethos as a as a grizzlies brand and and also sort of ties in sort of that that 70s feel from the you know uh the old days and and uh you know pays homage to the the hustle and flow movie and and all those things so it it's been really fun the response has been great our merchandise is selling pretty well and uh you know, we think it's it's you know, as a first year product, we think it's pretty pretty doggone good. So, so I understand you stream uh, a bunch of games live on Facebook Live. Tell us about that that venture. I know that's got to be pretty neat. Yeah, that's a league wide deal, and so all games on uh, within the G League every night uh, that are being played are available. Uh, on Facebook Live, and so uh, you know, fans can watch us whether we're at home or on the road. When we're on the road, uh, it's via the um, the Facebook Live feed of the whoever the home team is. So, um, you know, what it does is it, it allows fans to not only stay in tune with the team, but from a marketing perspective, it allows brands who you know want to take advantage of that reach and that visibility to uh you know um you know get their brand exposure to you know what can, what can sometimes be you know thousands and thousands of viewers depending upon the the day of the week and the market and the game um and so you'll notice on the hustle floor at Lander Center we have some logos uh, of some partners who've wanted to take advantage of that exposure and that's that's kind of unique because we don't have that that same flexibility with the Grizzlies so tell me about uh the the G League and how it operates versus maybe what some people uh, think about how minor leagues operate or maybe how uh, I think maybe some people think about baseball teams. Some of those teams are club-owned. Some of them are independently owned. The leagues are usually independently owned, but they're, they're, they're connected to the Major League Baseball. But the G League, is, is, it, is, it is directly connected to the NBA, and then these franchises are almost directly connected to their, their parent clubs. How does that work with the G League? 
Yeah, that's that's a great uh, <clears throat> a great point. It, it, the development league was started in 2001 um, by the league office in New York, the NBA's league office, and so it is you know forever been a part of the league. The, um, there's a lot of crossover in terms of involvement from the folks in the league who who work on both the development league, the G League product, and the the NBA product, and and you know the league has grown tremendously, and we're up to 26 teams now. And you know it started off very much like a more of a traditional minor league baseball um, relationship, where some of the 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 D League teams that used to be called the, just the D League um, were independently owned, and uh, there was an affiliate relationship that the big league clubs had. And over the last two three years the uh, the NBA properties themselves have started to just own those themselves and retain those themselves and actually in many cases move them closer to market for the reasons we talked about earlier so uh, there still are a few independently owned G League teams but a majority of them are owned by the big league team let me ask you about the the connection and it may not be a thing at all do the Grizzlies have a a primary rival. I asked this. I mean, our our in Mississippi, our studios are are located in Jackson, and so we are equidistant between Memphis and New Orleans. And so, at least for me and for some basketball folks in Central Mississippi, anyway, it's really cool that in the last 10, 10 12 years or so, we've had two professional franchises move just three hours up the road, three hours down the road from us. And at least for me anyway, being a lifelong resident of this area, when those two teams get together, it's like for the longest time there were no pro sports anywhere close to here. There were, you know, eight hours or more away before you got to a pro team outside of maybe the Saints. But to have that kind of mid-south pro rivalry right there is really cool. How, how much does that play into, I mean, is it, it, are the Pelicans the Grizzlies' chief rival or is there anything like that there? Yeah, no, that's 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 a good observation, and and we've had a, a lot of conversations internally about how we can help to really grow that uh, rivalry, if you will, just because of the proximity. And and we've talked to the league about doing some things from a scheduling perspective that might help us do that down the road. But I, I think what what has happened more with the Grizzlies and their history here in Memphis is the the real rivalry games, the ones that the fans are really behind, and they, you know, the the place is packed, and the, the, there just seems to be a lot more. Electricity in the building, you know, those things have been built from playoff wars yeah. historically. Yeah. And so you've got the Oklahoma City thing, which is, you know, harkens back to a couple series, and the Clippers, you know, seem to be a, a, a very uh, hated rival um, because of some of the playoff <laughs> series we've had. And, and I think if we, you know, would get to the point where the, both the Grizzlies and the Pelicans were in a really heated playoff battle. Oh, I that'd think be amazing. That that sort of rivalry would would intensify. But but you've got a good point. The fact that we have such a close proximity, it it does give us you know the opportunity to create some maybe unique travel packages and things like that. So as I mentioned, we've been talking with the league about that, about how we can grow that. Well, that's pretty cool, and I do understand the Grizzlies have played. Uh, significantly more high-profile games because they've they've been more successful over the last ten years or so. But uh, if folks want to you know, buy season tickets or get merchandise or learn more about the Memphis Hustle, how do they do so? Well, they can uh, buy tickets uh, at either through MemphisHustle.com 
or 901-888-HOOP uh, rings right here into our sales office. And uh, merchandise is also available uh, at memphishustle.com. There's a, a team store button there. And uh, I would just encourage folks to, you know, go to facebook.com uh, backslash Memphis Hustle to, to check out some of the games on, uh, on the Facebook live stream. And uh, we have actually have a game this evening at 7 p.m. Uh, out at Landers and uh, a couple of games towards the end of the month, a total of about 11, counting tonight, 11 games remain in the regular season. It's a little bit of a smaller, uh, shorter season than the big league season but uh, still plenty of opportunity to take them in. Very cool, man. And uh, if folks have not seen some of the merchandise or have checked out the logo, again, I encourage you to do it. I, I'm a I'm a uniform dork and a logo dork. Those things mean a lot to me. Uh, you know, visually very appealing. Awesome, cool stuff. Glad you guys are playing at the Lander Center in DeSoto County and uh, glad to be able to claim you. Uh, even though you're just inside the door. Glad to be able to claim you as part of the Mississippi sports culture. John, thank you so much for being on with us. Hey, thanks so much for having me. All right, we'll take a quick time out, and uh, we'll wrap it up when we get back. This is MPB Season Pass on Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. It's MPB's Season Pass on Think Radio with Liz Gill. I am Jay White. Cool stuff today. Skeleton? Rodeo? I could not get over. Uh, now, if you are if you are a Jeopardy fan, some guy lost about mm-hmm. a couple of thousand dollars of money because he said gangster instead of gangsta. That's the name of the song. And I wonder if steer wrestler is different from a steer rustler. Or wrestler, wrestler, wrestler. Rass- but that's uh, I think that's pro wrestling that you get into right there. Uh, very interesting. So um, uh, Mississippi State's men got off to a good start in uh, SEC play with a home win over Arkansas earlier in the week. Uh, Ole Miss did the same right before the new year, beating South Carolina, who went to the Final Four last year. Ole Miss did lose to Georgia yesterday. Um, the women for Mississippi State remain undefeated. Uh, and remain very good. It seems like they get better and better each time they play. Uh, they have a game tonight, uh, so if you want to uh, check that out, uh, they'll be uh, playing at Arkansas tonight. And Ole Miss plays a uh, women's game tonight as well. They host South Carolina, the defending national champions, so good luck with that. Um, interesting stuff here. Maybe we'll have time to talk about this a little bit more next week, but... Um, uh, this um, religious freedom law that's coming to play, and I don't want to get too political on this show because it's about sports and uh, sports need to stick to sports, but uh, the religious freedom law and the response to it from the governor in New York has caused Southern Miss 
to have to try to, and this is way late in the game, patch a hole in its baseball schedule now because Southern Miss was going to host Stony Brook, uh, which is one of the State University of New York uh, campuses. And um, Stony Brook, which made the College World Series, if you recall, their uh, pretty iconic run to the CWS through Baton Rouge and LSU just a couple of years ago. Um, they were going to come down to Hattiesburg and play at Pete Taylor Park, but because the governor of New York now basically has said that any of the you know public employees or public universities, anything like that, they can't travel to or basically have anything to do with Mississippi, Stony Brook had to back out of their series in Hattiesburg with Southern Miss. So now Southern Miss is looking for somebody to fill that home date. And, I mean, the season starts in like three weeks. So it's basically they got messed over. So Southern Miss did. Because, uh, well, anyway, I'm not going to go into it. All right, so awesome stuff. Thank you for setting that up. And uh, go to our website, mpbonline.org, audio on demand. You can subscribe to the podcast there as well. Stay tuned. So the Remedy Kids and Teens with Dr. Jimmy Stewart is next on Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.